indeed the answer. Amen. It's good. All right, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, as we conclude our series on uh, being connected with God, and we've been talking a lot about staying connected over the last few weeks, and we want to continue that trend and finish it up today. We begin in John chapter 14, of course, with our disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ encouraging them. We know that uh, he had made it clear at some point now that he's going to Jerusalem, where he's going to be uh, ultimately betrayed. He's going to be uh, submitted to a false or fake trial, and then he's going to be lifted up on a cross, and he's going to give his life. But he did say he'd come back again, uh, that he would rise again. But boy, the disciples are discouraged. And here in the passage, Jesus is trying to encourage them. And he says in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He makes it clear to them that he's going to return for them. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that brings comfort. However, i got to believe the disciples at some point are thinking, okay, that's fine and that's dandy, but man, what about now? We want to stay connected with you now. We don't just want to hope and wait for you to return. We, we, we appreciate that, and that is a hope. However, we want connected now. And so the Lord Jesus Christ goes on in John chapter 14 verse 18 to say, I will never leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I'm going to come to you. Yes. Matter of fact, I'm going to indwell you. I'm going to live in you. And you're not just going to be with me during the day when we can talk and walk and work together. Literally, I'll be with you always. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's a blessing. And what an encouragement. You talk about staying connected. As a believer, you can't be more connected than you are with Jesus Christ. And so we addressed uh, this issue of remaining and staying connected. And um, we said, okay, we, we are connected. We're connected through the new birth. We know that the moment we're saved, we become complete. We become whole. Uh, Adam, when he sinned in the garden, of course, went out. Uh, the truth is the Bible says he was removed from the garden. And God had told him, the day you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. Well, something died. He himself didn't. But the Spirit died. Between him and God, there was no communication. There had to be a sacrifice that was made. And we know that ultimately he gave them skins, which means that blood was shed. But down the road, 4,000 years later, Jesus Christ hangs on an old cruel cross and sheds his perfect, precious blood on behalf of fallen mankind. And as a result of that, we can come to Jesus Christ, invite him into our life, accept what he did as payment for our sin, and our sin can be washed away and we can become part of the family of God and connected with God again. And our prayers can be heard and our lives can be changed and directed and led by the Holy Spirit what a wonderful truth to be connected to God. However, how do we stay connected? Listen, our salvation is by grace through faith. When you come to Jesus Christ, you don't have to hold on to your salvation. He's keeping it for you. He paid the price. He paid the penalty. He did it all for you and for me. I don't have to do anything. I just have to rely upon Jesus Christ and what he did for me on Calvary. And so, how do we stay connected, though? Because the relationship is secure. It's a father-son, father-daughter, if you will, relationship. But we know that even amongst those kind of relationships, sometimes there can be a disconnection. Sometimes there can be friction. 
And when you and I as believers fail to obey the Lord and walk according to His word and will, there's friction. And the connection, in a sense, can be lost. Oh no, we're still saved. Our relationship is secure, but our fellowship is strained. How do we stay connected and tight and close to the Lord? How do we stay connected to God so that He can truly impact and influence our lives and we can experience His presence and power daily? And that's what we've been addressing. We have our extension cord, and we've been talking about this three-pronged extension cord. And we know that on the end of an extension cord, there's three prongs. And I know it's small. I should have probably just got made something bigger. But there's the three prongs here. We've talked about two of them. The first one we said was the Word of God. The Word of God. That's how you stay connected to Him. That's how you remain connected to him as a believer. The second one we said was prayer. Prayer connects us to God. But we said early on, we said, wait a second, when it comes to the word, we simply need to pick it up, open it, and he hears. He answers, excuse me. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's good to know that God, man, I'm getting them all mixed up, ain't I? Wait a second. You pick it up, you open it, and God speaks. That's what it was. I just preached it, okay? Don't ask me to remember it. <laughs> and, then, and then we talked about prayer. And we said, you and I pray, God hears, and things happen. Well, what's that third prong represent? Well, on an extension cord, we're going to note that it's the ground. It's the ground. And you know that without grounding, power surges or equipment damage can render electrical circuits dangerous and destructive. You say, wow, that's pretty good. Where'd you get that? Google. They could damage different things. I mean, your, your appliance could be damaged, especially if you're using a metal appliance. Then you want to make sure it's grounded. And so you have a ground portion. You have the two prongs and a ground. And that goes into that extension cord. And it ultimately goes into the power source. And we need to be connected to that heavenly power source, God. Well, I'll tell you what, it can be really bad if you're not connected with a ground and all of a sudden you're using an appliance and it malfunctions. There could be a current surge. That ground will ensure that you don't get shocked and you don't get seriously harmed. And the believer is in need of grounding more than ever these days. I mean, there's such a surge of sin and sorrow plaguing our world. It is ever more clear that our culture and our society is malfunctioning, promising a world of hurt and heartache in its wake. The dangers are imminent. The risk is real, and it's ever mounting. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, turn there, would you? As we said, we need the Word of God. We need prayer, yes. But we need grounded too. Well, let's see what 1 Timothy 3.15 says. It's pretty interesting to me. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, the living God, the pillar and 
ground of the truth. Boy, the church is described as the pillar and ground of the truth. It appears that we have uncovered the last means by which we're to be connected to God then. We've already said again that the Word of God, we've already talked about the, the, that prayer connects us to God, but now we point out the need for the local church in the believer's life. God's already provided everything necessary in a believer's life. It's already done that. And if we hope to remain connected and functioning as God intended, then we're going to have to be plugged into the eternal power source. And that includes being plugged into the local church. Well, I'll tell you what, the attitude toward the church these days isn't real good. At least not in general. Confidence in the church continues to wane in our culture and our society. You can look up study after study that refers to and speaks to the fact that people don't have the confidence in the church house that they used to have. Especially as we get younger on the scale of age, as you start to deal with certain demographics, you realize that that is increasing rapidly. Churches that maintain biblical positions and corresponding political outlooks find themselves in the heat of a cultural and social battle. It's getting ugly. The norms for society are rarely found supported in the Word of God, by the way. Rarely. And listen, we keep talking about political, and don't include politics in the church. My friend, it is now morality. I made a statement the other day that we are no, they used to say things to us like, you cannot legislate morality. But let me tell you what we are doing. We're legislating immorality. There is a wave of believers who insist that the church compromise its position in order to align with current trends and forces in our culture. And when that does happen, it sour, when it doesn't happen, I should say, it sours them. It results in a critical spirit towards church leadership. It has a tendency to cause them to label members as being judgmental or intolerant. Their view of the church in general is that it's too rigid, it's too unforgiving then therefore it's unnecessary in my life. And there could be nothing further from the truth. Nothing at all. And again, I'm not suggesting that there are not ministries in which excess is present and therefore abuses take place. But I am saying the church as a whole isn't the green monster that many today have tried to paint it as being. I can understand that the unsaved person viewing the church in this this light, if you will. They are clouded and overwhelmed with negative publicity. The media and so many other sources in our culture have continued to undermine the church. But for believers, there's no excuse. One Sunday morning, two men were out in a boat. They were fishing, and several hours they spent on the lake. I mean, just several hours. They were catching fish. Uh, they, they, I mean, they... They were trying to catch fish, I should say, kind of like I've heard about some of you guys. <laughs> trying to catch fish. These guys hadn't caught a one. And one of the men says to his friends, you know what? We probably should have stayed home and gone to church this morning. The other man said, well, I could have stayed home, but I couldn't have gone to church. Well, why is that? Asked his friend. Well, my wife's sick. My wife's sick. That's supposed to be a joke, but obviously it's too real. <laughs> obviously it's where we're at today, isn't it? Yeah. 
You know what? There's got to be a problem with how we view the church if, if our family, one of our family members is sick and we all stay home. We used to sing songs about that. Way back in the day, quartets would sing about it. Had to stay home to, you know, wipe the little child's nose and all this stuff in a song. Excuses, excuses. That was the name of the song. But uh, we didn't laugh a whole lot, did we, just now? And I wonder if it isn't because we've been programmed to believe that the church isn't that awfully important. And if somebody's sick, it's a good excuse not to go at all. And today we've been even more programmed because obviously if somebody's got the sniffles, then you might give it to somebody even though you don't have it. We've got to start living our lives, folks. And God is bigger than anything going right now. He's big enough to handle the problems. And last I checked, we still go to work, and we still go to the store, and we still go to the ball games, and we still go to soccer games, and we still get involved in everything going on in the world. My friend, let me tell you, the world has influenced and impacted us negatively toward the church. And that should not be in the church's eyes, in the people of God's eyes. Because I'm telling you, if you're going to stay connected to God, you need the local church. You say, no, I don't. I just need me and Jesus and the Word of God. You don't know the Bible then, friend. And that's exactly what we want to talk about. Because we need to understand that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is essential in the life of the child of God. We are open to all kinds of attacks. We are exposed to all sorts of deception. And when we're not grounded in the local church, we got problems. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, settle you. Man, I, I don't know about you, but it's obvious from the passage that we're to be grounded. We're to be established, strengthened, and settled. We're to be perfected, the Bible says. That sounds like being grounded a little bit to me. So what do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in the faith? Because we have to stay connected. We know that the word of God is important. We know that prayer is necessary. But the church is equally important, if not more so. It is the grounding. It's what keeps us from being hurt and harmed. It's what keeps us established and strengthened and strong in our walk, in our faith, in our lifestyle. So what do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in our faith? I'm going to have a quick word of prayer and I'm going to have to fly through these. If I started flying, we'd have a big crowd tonight. Can you imagine how many people would come to Community Baptist Temple to watch me fly? Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Just that image in my mind is... I better pray. (laughs) Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership. Bless us now in these next few moments. Speak to our hearts and help us to understand the the enormous need of the local church in order to stay connected to you. Lord, we need to be connected to you. It's where our safety is. It's where our strength is. It's where our hope is. Father, may you be glorified now. We love you. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. So, Probably nobody would debate the need for the Word of God. I didn't say we would all be equally excited about it, but we all would agree that we need this book 
to be connected to God. We'd all agree that we have to pray. I'm not convinced we all agree on the importance and necessity of the local church in our lives and in our families. And so what do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in our faith? Number one, a pastor. A pastor. You say, here we go. Where's the horn? He's going to start tooting his own horn. No, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and I'll let the Lord do it. I don't need to toot the horn. I just need to know what God says. That's what we all need. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. You know, it's amazing. I mean, if you go to the right church, you find a pastor. And that pastor ought to meet the qualifications that God gives. And I'll leave it lay right there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Notice again, it speaks of a pastor, a pastor, a pastor. And that pastor is spoken of as being given to the local church. That means that he's a gift. He is a gift to the local church. Now hold on. The church is a body, right? It's the body of Christ. And you and I are equally a part of that body. According to Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, the Bible says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for the body's sake, which is the church. The body's sake, which is the church. So the church is the body. You are part of the body. I am part of the body. We're equally part of the body. Therefore, the pastor isn't just a gift to a building or an institution. He is the pastor and a gift to the people. To you, the body. We get the idea somehow that, well, that church has a pastor and eh, he's got, he's a, he's a, he talks about being a gift. Yeah, to the church as a whole. No, to you as an individual. If you are part of the body, then I am a gift to you from God. That's what the Bible teaches. And you say, that's pretty arrogant. Oh man, you know what that really is? Sobering. To think that I'm supposed to be a gift to you, a blessing in that, to that degree to you. That means I can't just get up here and wing it. I can't just talk to you and counsel with you and encourage you by just saying, well, you know what? I'll live my life how I want and I'll just, I'll just do my best. No, I better get in touch with him. He's the one that gave me. I better make sure I'm giving you what he wants for you. So the pastor's a gift, not just to an institution, but to a people. And that's amazing. He's a gift to you then. I'm a gift to you individually. You know, you say, well, why is that? Well, the passage, uh, why is the pastor so vital? Why is he so important to the body uh, or every believer then? Well, because the Bible makes it clear here 
in chapter 4, verse 11, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He's to perfect the saints. He's called to perfect the saints. That means to make you complete. You know, and I know that we'll never be perfect. You won't be perfect. I won't be perfect in this life. We know that the flesh still abounds in our life. Although the new man should take precedent, we still yield to the flesh at times. And we know we'll not be perfect till we have our new body. However, that word perfect is talking about being complete. I'm called to complete you, so to speak, to help you be made complete. He's called to the work of the ministry. That means make Bible application through study and through prayer. You say, where do you get that? Well, you turn to Acts 6 and don't do it now. But remember what the apostles said. Hey, listen, should we be waiting on these tables? We need to give ourselves to what? Prayer and the Word of God. That was the work of the ministry. Man, I know every preacher cleans toilets and I know we sweep floors and we build walls and build churches and we do all the things that everybody else does. But my friend, his main responsibility, his God calling is to be in the Word of God and in prayer on behalf of his people. The Bible says simply for the perfecting of the saints. He's a gift for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and finally the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm there to make you strong, to build you up through encouragement. That's what the pastor's to do. He's a gift to you. You say, I'm perfectly fine without him. I'm complete enough. I know enough of the Bible. I'm strong enough in myself, and I'm encouraged enough to deal with life. Okay. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians 4 again. Right there we are. Look at verse 13, because we're going to see something here that's very important. Here it is. Why do I need that pastor, in a sense? Why do I need what God has given him to give to me? Why do I need to be made complete? Why do I need application from the Word of God? Why do I need to be built up and made strong and encouraged? He says in verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Tell me there isn't a bunch of doctrine getting thrown out. Doctrine meaning teachings. Man, let me tell you, our world, we are filled with preachers. Don't think for a minute politicians don't act like preachers. Don't think for a minute that teachers in schools don't act like preachers. We're teaching and we're teaching and we're teaching. The problem is what is their doctrine? He goes on to say, by the slight of men, he goes, listen, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Boy, I'll tell you what. (laughs) We look at this and we understand very quickly that in the world in which we live, we truly need the man of God to encourage us in the midst of this mess that we're in. Well, I don't need the preacher. And that's what we say when we don't go to God's house. I don't need that pastor. Well, it's a funny thing. God says you do to be complete. 
it's a funny thing. God says you do if indeed you want biblical application being made in your life. You say, I can do that at home. You can to a degree, but you need me. Listen, you say, well, you should get an evangelist in to say those things. Why? The Bible says it. What, I need an evangelist to tell you that you need your pastor? And by the way, if you're watching on live stream, can I just tell you something, a little secret? It's not the same, you sitting there in your underwear, eating your chips and cheese, (laughs) watching us this morning, in the convenience of your home, you need to be in the house of God. And if you can't be here, that's different. But my friend, it is too convenient today with live stream. It's too convenient. We have crippled the church because of COVID. We are still feeling the pain of a, of a, a what do you would call it? What is the pandemic? The pandemic isn't a disease. The pandemic is a spiritual problem now. We have a pandemic in the church. We don't need to go. That is a disease in the lives of believers. It's a problem. We love you for being honest with us, Pastor. You are exactly what we need. You are welcome. I aim to please. Number two, a pastor. But let me tell you another reason, and and I know time is fleeting. It's moving quickly. Matter of fact, um, I should probably just save these for tonight. And I think I'm just going to do that. I worked on a message for tonight, but that's okay. I'm going to stop right there today. Boy, we are getting out early. But I'm going to tell you something. You need your pastor today. And when you say you don't need the church, you are saying, I don't need my pastor. You know how that makes me feel? To be rejected like that? (laughs) It's... It's, it's, a, it's an epidemic, folks. It's a problem. I mean, it's a real problem. You know, it's funny. Everybody has their reasons, don't they? We always have excuses. If we really want one, we'll find it. But boy, I'll tell you what, we, we have lost sight of the need for the encouragement that only we find in God's house. And we're going to see that in God's house, we're going to talk a little bit about the people Because I'm telling you, whether you think so or not, you need the people. And you know what? You need a purpose. And you know what? You find purpose in the Christian life through the local church. You say, no, I can do that on my own. If you are on a desert island, friend, stuck there and no one's around, yes, you can. God will make a way. But as long as you are within the, uh, you have the ability to be a part of a local church, you're going to find that that's how God will set your course in life. He'll use you serving through the local church to fulfill your God-given purpose for existing. You You cannot possibly please God and honor Him and glorify Him outside the local church today in this dispensation when you have access to it. You can't do it. You show me anybody in the New Testament that worked without the authority that served without the authority of a local church that did it on their own show it to me in the bible 
the New Testament. I'm not talking about, well, I know of a, uh, let's see, Deborah, she tore him up. I didn't see a church around then. Yeah, well, let me tell you. I'm not even going to tell you that because I'll really blow your mind. But the fact is, is that that was a different day. We live in a New Testament day. Let me tell you something. We function through the local church today. That's how God functions. That's how he operates. That's how he wins the world, through the local church. You say, that's all foreign to me. You know what? I hope you get upset then. I hope you say, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I hope you dig into that New Testament and show me why the local church is not necessary in your life. Do that. Please prove me wrong. But you won't. You'll not be able to do it because every time you turn around in that New Testament, the church at Galatia, the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossa, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Laodicea, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. Would somebody shut up about a church? You're driving me nuts. I don't want to be under the authority of a pastor. I don't want to be under the authority of any leadership at a church. I want to live my Christian life the way I want to. I'm under grace. I don't need to be under the thumb of some other person. You can't be right with God unless you're in the house of God and serving through and in the local church. And again, I'm not, you say, that's stupid. You're wrong, preacher. You read it, you tell me. The New Testament, everything after the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, that's what I want you to look at. Don't go to Matthew 10, don't go to Matthew 24, sitting right in the middle of the tribulation period. Would you please go there into that New Testament where Paul the Apostle is writing to the church because that's the church epistles and show me where the church isn't important because that's who God addresses in the whole New Testament, the church. And who, when he, oh, he addressed Peter, uh, Timothy, he addressed Titus. Yeah, guess what they were? Pastors. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be coy and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you, we have lost sight of the need of the local church. But we can't stay connected with God without it. It is absolutely essential and necessary in a believer's life. Yes, you can pray at home and in your closet, and you ought to. You can read your Bible and study the scriptures and get all kind of golden nuggets from the, the mine of heaven, and you should. But you need a church because it is there you get a pastor. And you need him. Whether it's me or someone else in this pulpit that is the pastor of the church, you need a pastor. May God help us. Before you need a church, as we close, you need the Savior. Doesn't do any good to go to church, spend all your time doing nice things for people if you haven't settled your soul salvation. Because it won't get you anywhere in the afterlife except to hell. You need Jesus Christ just like I did. He is the head of the church. The church is his body. The truth is we got to become part of the body of Christ. And to do that, we have to recognize the payment he paid. Understand that without him, we can never, ever, ever make it to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him.
Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. May God help us to realize the need of Christ in our life as a human being, a creation of God. I'm going to go out on a limb according to Revelations chapter 4, verse 11 and tell you this. There is no way that you can fulfill that passage in the New Testament without being a born-again believer. You say, what is it? Turn there. Let's just look at it very quickly. Because this, what the Bible say, what did Jesus say? He, and, and what the Word of God teach us? He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, man, you... He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know, is there one parent in the room that says, boy, it would please me if my child would become a drug addict and have to deal with the horrors of that plague in their life? Is there one parent that would say, I hope my child becomes an alcoholic a drunkard, according to the word of God, and puts he and his family through a living nightmare. Boy, that would please me. Not one of us. Let me show you what the Bible says that our real purpose for existing is. The real reason that we are here today, 4 verse 11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For his pleasure. Can I tell you, you can't please him by going to hell. You can't please him by living for the devil. You don't bring pleasure to God. You don't bring pleasure to a mom or dad by living a drug addict life. Well, they need to learn to accept me however I am. You're ridiculous. Wake up. Grow up. Take responsibility. Understand that they are people too and that their hearts break for you. You have a responsibility, friend. Get off that junk and start living the way you ought to live and quit putting your parents through that. It's not their fault you're that way. It's your fault. I didn't mean to wake up the people in the front row. Sorry about that. Brother Don was snoring over here. At least I stopped that. But I just want to encourage you to understand that you must be saved. If you want to truly fulfill your purpose for existing, you have to first come to Jesus Christ and be in a position where you will ultimately spend an eternity with him. Then he will work in your life. As he said to the, the, the disciples, he said over there in, in that passage, let me find it here very quickly. Again, I've got 12,000 pages here of notes. But he said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless, I'll come to you. Man, wouldn't you want the God that created you to live with you and be with you always? Oh my. You say, but there's things I do that wouldn't please him. You know what? He'll give you the power to overcome those in your life and to get victory too. But you have to be willing to come to him and admit they're not what belong in your life. And that you want him to be preeminent, not the flesh in your life. 
Say, Lord Jesus, I know that you died for me and you, you rose again. I know that I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to go there and I don't want to pay for my sin. And I know that this isn't much in light of you. I, I know I got nothing to give you, but if you'll save my soul, I'd be so pleased and thankful. Forgive me and save me. Come into my life. You know what he'll do? He'll keep his word and he'll save you from your sin. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you get saved today. Do not leave here without Jesus Christ. Don't leave here questioning or asking the question or asking yourself, will I make it to heaven when I die? You can know. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know that. You know what? He wants you to know that. I want you to know that. These that know Christ want you to know that. Nobody here would embarrass you in any way because we all want the same thing. We want to see you saved and in a position to truly bring pleasure to your Creator and fulfill your God-given purpose for existing. Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, to help us today. Lord, I know, Father, that some of the things maybe I said might even sound crazy to people, but that's how far we've gotten away from the Word of God and how far our culture has taken us away from the house of God. Lord, how important is the house of God in our life in order to keep us connected with you? How valuable is it truly? The fact is, Lord, we can't, we can't do this the way you want us to without the house of God because there is where the gift is is there's where the pastor is there's where others are that can encourage us and strengthen us and motivate us and move us father help us to realize how important the house of god is primarily just to start with for this morning even just the pastor alone and how much he truly is needed in our lives father i pray dear god you'd help us and for that person that's furthest away from jesus may they recognize that it doesn't matter how big their sin is you're bigger, and you can move it out of the way. You can truly wash them white as snow in the blood of Jesus Christ and transform and change their life forever. Oh, God, thank you that you will save us. Lord, we'll thank you, we'll praise you for what you will do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.